back to another episode of the Messy Reformation. My name's Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at PCRC in Pease, Minnesota. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church, and we want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. But anytime Reformation happens, it's always messy. So we're having conversations with pastors throughout the CRC to find out what's going on in our denomination, but also to talk about what Reformation might look like. We want to say thanks to all of you who are listening to our content every week and sharing it with people who would benefit. Thank you so much. It's helping and our listenership continues to grow each week. So keep up the good work. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We are dropping episodes every single Monday. With all that said, we're going to get to this week's show, which is part two of our conversation with Aaron Friesman. That this is very important. So our confessional identity is is a historic thing in the Christian Reformed Church. Um, I think another distinctive in the Christian Reformed Church is, is the notion that Christ applies to all parts of life and um, which has affected the, you know, the whole Christian education movement with the CRC, which is why um, Calvin college now university has had a, a history of producing some notable scholars you know alan mm-hmm. flanagan nick walterstorff richard mao um there's there's others george marsden and and others um but that has i think motivated people to to uh serve christ through learning and living in in um, a variety of ways um those are at least a couple of the of the strengths that that you can see going back. Yeah. Yeah. And do you see um, us holding to those still today? Yes and no. Um, there there are a lot of CRC people who I think still are solid on the on the creeds and confessions as a part of who we are in, in that this is how we understand what scripture says. Um, there are others who in the CRC, I don't think that that's as important to them. Um, I, I think that they might be caught up in the, in the, um, in the group dynamic of, you know, this is what everybody else does. So I'm going to do it, but it's not really that important. Um, so, so it depends. Um, so it depends. And on the Christian school front, I'm kind of in a interesting situation because I was homeschooled K through 12 in part because my parents didn't think Christian school was good enough. So, you know, they were, they saw or heard about what was being taught at some of the Christian schools and they're like, yeah, no, we're going to do this ourselves. And today I'm married to a public school teacher. So, um, I, I am kind of, I am kind of, uh, all over the map now when it comes to, uh, when it comes to education, I, I'm at this point now where I can see, 
I can see strengths and weaknesses and challenges of, of each one. Um, and just dealing with, you know, families in my congregation too. I've, I've seen some of these play out in some of their experiences too. So, so yeah, um, I, I'm kind of, uh, kind of in a unique situation there. I, during my Calvin seminary, um, faculty interview, I had one professor who shall remain nameless, um, who really tried to nail me on, um, the Christian school topic because I was homeschooled Mm -hmm. and really wanted me to, uh, affirm Christian schools because of homeschooling. And, um, and I said, I pointed out, I said, you know, that, uh, that when Christian schools are founded, um, it was not, these were not church organized schools. These were parent organized schools because according to the reformed understanding, the primary responsibility for educating children is not a church responsibility, but a parent responsibility. And so that is really the premise of homeschooling that parents take responsibility for educating their children and that's where that discussion stopped so um (laughs) i i passed the faculty interview (laughs) which is funny too because um and you see that baked into most of the um christian schools that were founded um by the crc is that they're run by a society of parents Mm-hmm. Um, not, not by the consistory of the church, but it's the parents that are, you know, you have to be a parent to be on the school board. You have the, the society members vote and the structure. I know a lot of people don't think they think, oh, the structure is just here for no reason. No, there's actually theological principles behind why the school was structured that way, because the parents are the ones responsible for the education of their kids. And so if you're going to put a school together, then the parents are the ones who are going to run the board and the society because they're the ones who are going to have to stand before God one day and say, here I am. This is is what I've done. Exactly. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been interesting because you're right. It it can be easy sometimes to get frustrated and think our denomination, we don't care about the creeds and confessions, but there's just kind of this split and, and it's been there a little bit, I suppose, throughout history. I remember, uh, Oh, I forget what history book I read, but they said, you know, they talked about the three streams in the Christian Reformed Church kind of from the beginning. We yep. had the piet- the pietists, the confessionalists, and then uh, I suppose some would be offended by this, but the Americanists, right? Oh, and then they have the four streams, too, because the Kyperians are kind of in the middle of there, too, right? But you've got kind of these four different things, and so you've got some that are like, well, we had some from the beginning in the CRC church that were like, no creed but Christ. Um, and then others who grabbed around the confession and then some that were wanting to try to, you know, transform the culture like Kuiper and then others who were like, well, we should be more like the culture. They wouldn't say it that way, but, you know, um, let's, let's kind of, let's not be so offensive to the culture, take away yep. the antithesis a little bit. And that's been there from the beginning of our denomination. And um, it's interesting just to kind of watch how that's played out over the years that that tension, we still have that tension right now. I think a lot of that is the tension we still feel um, in, in our, you know, when we get together for a synod and try to make a decision about something. Definitely. I was raised in the pietist 
stream of that. That's kind of what my parents emphasized. So doing devotions, um, paying attention to, you know, our lives, are, are we being obedient to God, um, studying scripture, knowing scripture, you know, incorporating that into your life. That was kind of how I was raised. And, um, and, uh, and then later on, I de- developed the, just, oh, the, just discovered the confessions and how valuable those could be too. And so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a lot more confessional now than, than what I used to be, but I do definitely still value the, the pietist stream because you can check all the right boxes on a theological test, but if you don't, if you're not living it out, if you're, if, if, if you're not making sacrifices for what you say you believe in, then, then you really don't believe it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, if you really believe something, no matter what it is, Christianity or otherwise, you're going to make sacrifices for it. And you're going to, you're going to do what needs to be done to live out those principles. um, Unless it's just a smoke screen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a good way of putting that. So as you kind of look at the CRC now and look at the future or kind of where we're headed, what are, what are the concerns that you're having? Uh, there's, there's a number of concerns. Um, I, 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 I see the CRC right now as just a very fragmented um, denomination. Um, where a lot of there's a lot of parts of the CRC that are not on the same page, whether it comes to sexuality or polity or um, or even just what it means to be CRC, what it means to be confessional. And um, it seems like a lot of churches are kind of doing their own thing and and you can kind of group some into different kinds of streams, but but we are not on the same page. Um, historically, historically, we have, you know, at least at first, we relied on our Dutchness to keep us together. And people were very resistant to introducing English, uh, even into worship services, because that would make us American. And that's going to mean we're going to slide into Methodism. We, there was kind of that, those were tied together. And uh, I think that that is that tendency has become a liability today where we attached Dutchness to being confessional and solid on our doctrine. And now, and now when people want to throw away the Dutchness, it kind of goes along with throwing out the confessions too. Um, And there are some people who might not agree with where we stand on things, but my grandparents built this church. My parents teach at Calvin College and and so I belong here just as much as anybody else whereas what that should be is who cares if you're if you're Dutch or or German or or Chinese or what whatever if you agree with where we stand on our creeds confessions and our positions you know we're glad to have you let's be bound together by that um but uh but the the Dutchness the the legacy of being Dutch and making that our identity is is hurting us. I think um, 
because of that association. And, um, and so people don't want to leave. They think they belong here just because of, just because of that heritage. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's a, that's a challenge. Um, there's, there's others too. I think that we, we are not good at evangelism. We, as, as a rule, we don't know how to do it. We are not good at it. We, we feel ashamed of, you know, trying to push people and, uh, and I am not very good at it myself either. And, um, and so I, if uh, I find people who are good at it, I tend to like to talk to them, listen to them and, and uh, develop the tricks of the trade, uh, if you want to put it that way. But, but we need to, we need to be witnessing. We need to be, I think, I think we could learn something from the Baptists on this front. Um, mm-hmm. Just, um, uh, just learning what it, the importance of sharing the gospel and uh, preaching, preaching that to people. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I, there's, yeah, those, those are the two things that kind of come to my mind um, right offhand anyway. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting um, when you, um, when you mix kind of the, the, the Kuyperian impulse that you had mentioned, this kind of all of Christ for all of life impulse and transforming culture impulse. And then you connect that with um, a reluctance to share the gospel. You get, you get something not good, right? I mean, what, what they meant by transforming culture was transforming it through the gospel, really. Um, and and so if you try to transform culture, but then you remove the gospel from it, um, then you have what? Um, well, not much transformation, really. Then we're preaching, be good people, um, which is not a gospel at all. Um, we, I mean... Just pick up a self-help book if you want to be a good person, you know, any self-help book. But if if it's about if it's about the gospel, then it's about Christ and what it means to be saved in him. And uh, and that's that that's that's a very different thing. Yeah. Well, and and hearts transformed, too. Right. Uh, That's that's been for us. Um, I remember a conversation my wife and I had with somebody once who was involved um i'm just debating if anyway they're involved with a uh uh, a service organization providing care and aid but they're a christian organization and uh they were talking about how they are going into these um, communities in south america and so on and their main goal was to help um, husbands treat their wives better because there's a lot of abuse right there's a lot of abuse going on and they're trying to make that better, which is a, which is a worthy goal. But we had listened to them for over an hour, talk about that. They had never mentioned the gospel once. And uh, so my wife raised her hand and and asked the presenter like, Oh, well, what does the gospel have to do with, with your mission and and what you're doing? And uh, the, the, the lady said, Oh, we don't, we don't force the gospel on any, but we're just there to help. We're just there to help. And we're there to help husbands treat their wives better. And I remember my wife raised her hand again, and she just said, why would husbands treat their wives better if they don't know Jesus? 
Like what's the foundation for them treating their wives better? I mean, what are you teaching them? Why are you telling them like, be nice to your wives? Cause that's going to make you get ahead further in life. Like on what foundation is there? Like you can't really make that happen unless their hearts are transformed through the gospel, you know? And of course, of course, step in, try to get the, you know, try to get these things down. But at core, if you want to fix the the problem, the gospel's required to actually bring transformation in these societies. I uh, recently read a book, um, how Christianity changed the world. And, um, and it went into all of these different areas of society that, uh, that, that Christians started. So like hospitals, for example, there were no such things as hospitals before Christians came on the scene, at least not hospitals that served everybody. There were hospitals maybe that just served Roman soldiers. But uh, because of Christians, there was this notion that everybody needs help. And uh, if people are sick, we need to help them. And so we had hospitals um, taking care of orphans. Um, That was Mm -hmm. something that Christians cared about and started up organizations to do that. Um, education, universal education is a Christian idea. You know, um, we need to teach our kids to, to read and write uh, so that they can, they can function in life because, because, you know, every person is valuable, but also we want them to understand God and read scripture and, and such. Um, it just went one after the other. I mean, even women's rights, um, you know, before Christianity, women were by definition, second-class citizens. You know, Aristotle said that, you know, a woman is is uh, definitely less intelligent than a man is. And uh, Christianity really changed all that. You know, male and female, he created them. So that, Christ transformed, you know, the, the role of, of women. Um, it just went, this book went down a number of different aspects of society and said, Christians started this based on Christian ideas. And today in the United States, there are a lot of secular people, I get the impression that think this is just common sense. You know, it's common sense to have hospitals. It's common sense to have universal education. It's common sense to care for the poor. Um, and, uh, and it's not really. Um, we we've kind of taken it for granted now and we're on this trajectory, but that it, that's really based on Christian ideas and they've been kind of co-opted by secular ideas now. Um, and society is better off for it. I, I would say, you know, Amen. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, there are a lot of practical benefits to the greater society from Christians um, and Christian ideas. Um, and the secular society can pick those up if they want to, and society will still be better off because of it. But where did it actually come from? It came from biblical teachings and Christians feeling convicted that, hey, we need to do something about that. Um, yeah, the overthrowing of slavery was another one too. He pointed out that Slavery was a worldwide phenomenon going back to recorded history um, until some right-wing Christians in um, 
Great Britain just thought that, no, this is not a good thing and uh, started the abolitionist movement. So again, it goes back to Christian ideas. Amen. And you can see a lot of practical benefits to it, for sure, whether you're secular or Christian. And so if you're in the public sphere, you can make a good argument for a lot of these ideas and see the results of it, even if you're not Christian. So, you know, I would hand hand some of that to some others, but but where did this come from? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it can't, and it can't, like you said, it came from Christians standing on their principles and, and, and working that out in the world. Like you said way earlier, you said you can believe it, but if you're not acting on it, you don't really believe it. Right. And so if we actually believe these things, we're going to be acting on them in the world. If we, we're going to be caring for the poor, caring for the widow, caring for the orphan, caring for what, whoever's oppressed, truly oppressed. We're going to be actually doing that work. Um, and, but we're going to do it. We have to do it holding to our Christian principles. We can't give those up to do that. Um, but when we hold to it, then those people benefit. And I think even society, like you said, society benefits when we hold fast to what we believe and act on it. Even the broader society benefits from it. Even if they don't fully believe what we believe, they just see how much is benefiting the world. And they say, we should do this right there. The world, apart from God, they're ultimately just pragmatists right? Mm -hmm. If it works, we're going to do it. And so they see Mm -hmm. us doing things based on principle. And because God has created the world this way, they work. And so the world says, hey, that works. Let's do that. And so, um, but I think we got to be careful as well, not to flip it. And so that we're not the pragmatists. Um, um, We we still want to be working from principle and, and faithfulness to God and trusting that it will work when we, when we look to God first, instead of looking to the world first and trying to do what's working out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, um, yeah, if you're, if you're in the the public sphere, you know, quoting Bible verses probably won't be very persuasive, but, um, and might even turn some people against you, but, uh, but there are, there are, even so, there's still a lot of ways to say, "Hey, we need to care for the the hurting people in our in our country, our society." And um, it's good to have universal education, and uh, it's good to have hospitals that are open to to everybody. And slavery is a bad thing for any society. <laughs> Let's get rid of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 so on. So there's a lot of practical stuff, but where does it come from? Um, it, it comes from a, a belief in, in Jesus Christ and being transformed by that, realizing that, uh, for example, the wealth that we have here and now is, is garbage compared to what's coming. And if we mm-hmm. really believe that, then we're not going to hold on to our stuff very tightly. You know, when we see people in need, sure, you can have that. Um, it's going to, it's all going to go to waste anyway, you know, um, you know, our, our time, you know, we, we don't just have like 80 some odd years of life. We're, we're going to live forever. So we, we don't have to worry about, you know, making the most of our time here, here and now, like other people do who are going to think they're just going to be gone after 
after they die. We're we have eternity, so we we don't have to. I don't have to see the Grand Canyon before I die, you know. Um, I'll I'll probably get to see it in the new heaven and new earth, you know. Amen. So, um, if you if you really believe what Jesus says and stands for, it it changes you, you know. Um, it it makes you look at things differently. Praise God. Amen. A hundred percent. Yeah. And so in light of that too, because we're, we're kind of coming to the end of our time here, and I do want to ask the question and get to your thoughts on, um, well, we always ask, do you believe the CRC is worth saving? And then, and then, you know, depending on how you answer that question, um, what do you think we need to do moving forward? So uh, what do you think? Um, yes, I uh, I, I think the CRC is worth fighting for. I don't think that we can save the CRC um, because I think only God can save. Um, but, uh, but I think it's definitely worth fighting for. Um, not only because I've, I've been born here and, and raised here, you know, um, but um, because I think that we have some, we have some important things worth standing up for. And um, we have a lot of people here who, who need good shepherds and shepherding. Um, we have a lot of people who, who um, are still forming where they stand on things and they're not really sure maybe. And, um, and we need, we need people to, to ground them in, in what is biblical and, and true and, historically true um we have we have people who who are just broadly evangelical who need to to realize that um that you know the the body of christ is not just their congregation of of, or their lifetime but it goes all the way back to the beginning and we we are part of them and we need to listen to them too which is where creeds and confessions come in um and we need we have people who who um, are looking at at the culture and are buying some of the arguments of the culture and believing them and adopting them and trying to incorporate them into a Christian worldview and and we need to we need to be able to say you know this is this is not good this is not right it's not biblical and ultimately even if it's pragmatic for now it's not, it's not, uh, where, where God wants us to go biblically. So, so there's, it's worth fighting for. Yes. And, um, any, any church, any people is worth fighting for. And if you're not fighting it in the CRC, you'll be fighting it in other ways, in other places. Um, if you go to more conservative denominations, if you want to use the word conservative, um, you'll, you'll run into legalism. People saying you have to do this to be saved. And I mean, in my homeschool groups, there were people who believed that if your wives and daughters were not wearing head coverings, then you were not being obedient to scripture, which means that you were not really true believers. And 
so you're you're gonna be fighting something somewhere no matter where you are so um i think the crc is worth fighting for yeah absolutely amen that's a good word it's a good reminder for everyone who's uh maybe a little frustrated with the the fights going on in the crc and um it's a good reminder that the grass isn't greener on the other side you can you can hop ship and go to another denomination and you'll find out that there's a bunch of sinners fighting there too <laughs> because absolutely because our 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 own sin and you'll be one of those sinners right our own sin follows us uh, wherever we go and uh so um, yeah, as I've talked to people wanting to jump ship from the CRC, I've told them, uh, think twice about it first. Uh, um, I think there is a time and there may be a time, but, uh, the time is not now. Um, but the time is for us to keep, um, well, like I end every podcast to keep fighting the, the good fight and, um, trying to pull us back toward, uh, orthodoxy as a, as a denomination. And, and I think I, and I keep trying to use the language pull us toward unity as a denomination yeah. because um i know um some who would disagree with me theologically regarding sexuality and all of this would say you know what you're trying to do is causing disunity right now and i keep saying we don't have unity right now i mean if you no. look at our denomination right now can you honestly say we're unified no and so we need to do something to bring unity and uh and that's and obviously kind of holding uh if you want to call it that that's broadly evangelical kind of getting rid of our distinctions that's not bringing unity that's actually causing more disunity and it seems like one of the things we need to do is is grab hold of the confessions and and kind of rally there and say this is how we understand god's word um absolutely are, are you with us or not Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I think that just the fact that every office bearer has to sign, you know, the covenant for office bearers, that is really where what the at least the organizational unity of the Christian Reformed Church is supposed to be. Um, and at the same time, I I think that uh, Jesus Christ himself is is the ultimate unity. I mean, even if you just look at the twelve. And you notice that one of the 12 is Matthew, the tax collector, you know, a guy who works for Rome and uh, basically exploits his own people because of Rome. And then you have Simon the Zealot, who is part of a terrorist group that is sworn enemies of Rome and, you know, will use violence to overthrow Rome. And Jesus has both of these guys part of the same 12. And, and I truly believe that, you know, he is the one who unifies, unifies us all, um, and, and will ultimately in the end. Um, but in terms of organizational unity, the creeds and confessions, our understanding of scripture is, is what hold us together as a, as an organization, um, and, um, as, as, as a church and, and this understanding of what scripture, what scripture teaches, because, you know, uh, an Arminian version of Jesus might be a little different. Um, and a Jehovah's <laughs> witness version of Jesus is definitely different. Um, mm-hmm. so, um, I think there's a danger to, 
throwing out creeds and confessions because I've learned, especially talking with a Jehovah's Witness friend of mine, that people can take the Bible and make it say whatever they want if they're mm-hmm. cherry picking verses and um, not reading it um, through the lens of the entire church of history. And that's yeah. where I think our creeds and confessions come in. Yeah. And uh, I just had a conversation with somebody about this earlier too. And we were talking about the importance of not just hold, you know, a lot, many people can say, we believe in the inspiration and authority of scripture. And, uh, and if you just unite around that, that um, you still don't have unity because it needs to be taken down to the particulars and say, do you believe in the authority and inspiration of scripture on this teaching? (laughs) How about on this teaching? How about on this teaching? And so, um, you know, it's it get for some it's tempting to go back and say no, but let's pound scripture here, and we all agree that God's word is inspired and and authoritative. But then you need to work that out in some of the particulars and say, okay, how about on sexuality? Right, that's the one in the CRC we're working on now. Okay, how do we understand the inspiration and authority of God's word regarding? sexuality and we got to work that out and we have to come to a a stance and we have to figure out how we're going to walk together on this one and looking to the the whole witness of the whole church throughout the whole of history you know where where they stand on that how do they interpret the bible on on this that's very that's very telling and i think that um you know the american especially the restorationist movement. Um, if you look into that history, here were some people who said, you know, let's throw out all the creeds and confessions. Let's just focus on the Bible and we're going to all be unified on just the Bible. And in the end, they ended up forming different kinds of denominations, the disciples of Christ, the Christian churches and the churches of Christ. And they would say that they're not denominations, but they function as, as them. Um, but, but that is a very American notion that I would say is based on enlightenment principles of, of uh, using reason to understand scripture. And if you just have scripture and reason, then you're all set. Whereas before that, there was an importance of tradition and, um, and where you come from and, uh, and the history behind it. And, and that's kind of what I would argue that we are a part of a, a body of, of believers that go all the way back to the time of the apostles and we need to listen to them too um, the word of God did not originate with us that's all we have for this week stay tuned next week for our conversation with Chad Steenwick until then don't forget this is Christ's church and he bought it with his blood and we've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock so keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine Preach the word in season and out of season and keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation. Reformation.